I want to speak to you in my message entitled, A Different Spirit. Now, when I say a different spirit, some of you who know your Bibles, you're immediately connecting with a particular character in the Bible. Some of you are thinking right now, is it him? Is it her? And some of you are thinking, I'm keen to find out who this person is. There's a person in the Bible that's defined and described as having a different spirit. And I want to back up and, and, then, and then we're going to fast forward into the verses, the verse where this is described. And we're literally going to, we're first going to zoom in, then we're going to zoom out to see about the story, a person with a different spirit. And let me explain why. So two weeks ago, we looked at how Jesus changes lives. And I put this table up, which is a summary of the parable of the sower. And remember, Jesus spoke about four types of soil. If you just click there, you will see the four types of soil. There's soil along the path, under the path where people walk. The soil is hard. And then there's the soil with rocky ground. The roots don't go deep. And then there's the soil amongst the thorns. And the seed grows, but it dies quickly because there's so many thorns and weeds. And then there's the good soil that produces fruit a hundred, sixty, and thirty-fold. Anybody says we want that kind of soil, and, and we unpacked it last week, but I just want to show you where we're going this morning. And we highlighted the heart conditions. Because Jesus wasn't talking about soil. He was talking about a heart. Four different heart conditions. Okay, that we can have. And he was talking about the seed is the word of God. I'm bringing the word of God to you. And some of us could be here with hard hearts. Some of us have shallow hearts. Okay, just, just receiving kind of what we want. But, you know, some of the stuff, well, I'm not going to receive that word. Some have crowded hearts. And, and ultimately, we all want fruitful hearts. And I'm not going to repeat what we spoke two weeks ago. It's on YouTube. It's on SoundCloud. It's easy for you to find. But it's so important. I so often pray for us. I pray for myself. That my heart would be receptive to the word. That I would have good soil. And that my heart would hence produce fruit that would glorify God. Amen. But I went on to say and described a field that these two requirements... I believe are essential that we can have good soil and a fruitful heart. In the next slide, I put it like this. I said a good soil or fruitful heart. How did I? Oh, I forgot that was in the way. <laughs> okay. I'm happy. Leave it there. We'll go there. Sorry, I'm not following my slides. I must go. There we go. It is here. Just Bill Johnson said this. Now remember, we're talking about the word is the seed. We're talking about Jesus changing lives. We looked at the four ways in that message as well about how Jesus changed lives. Look what Bill Johnson said. He said, when God speaks, the power for transformation is in that word. As we steward God's promises and plant his word deep in our hearts, we will see those seeds take root in our lives and experience his transforming power. I just love it. He's describing the power of God's Word. Remember I said to change lives, we need the Word of God and we need the Holy Spirit. This work here is the work of the Holy Spirit, what Holy Spirit does in our hearts. If we will have hearts that can receive the Word of God. And I put this up these on the next slide. Two requirements for that kind of heart. It's hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. And I want, I want to unpack this. And I, I joked last time. I said I googled for a field kind of that had two H's in. And I, and I got something like that. And I was like, wow, this must be the Lord. 
and Sipo Adana, what do you think? Do you think that's sort of maybe a sign from heaven? <laughs> but I must confess, um, you know, Oaks who play that game don't always have the kind of hunger and humility we're talking about here. I just want to submit that to you, okay? It's just a connection in my head. It, for you, you think you're crazy. That's fine. Okay, this helps my, 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 my mind to say what kind of field, what kind of soil, hunger and humility is required. Now, I want to just say about hunger, we're actually going to dig a bit deeper into humility. But I want to say the kind of hunger we're talking about here is a godly hunger, is a godly desire. You know, the, it says, very powerful scripture, it says, God grants us the desires of our heart. Now, those desires speaks about hunger. You know, I used to think that that means that any desire that I have inside of me, God just wants to fulfill it. Until I realized that it could mean that the desires that I'm in are in my heart are His desires first and foremostly. And it's those desires that He wants to fulfill in my life. And I want to say, it is, it is a tough journey sometimes to discern which desires are actually from God and which desires are not. You know, James speaks, of, for example, he, see, he speaks about a strife and, and, and conflict, and he says one of the root causes of that is selfish ambition. You know, ambition is a strong motivator. There are a lot of, let me say, very good-looking Christians that are kind of, they're looking like they got it all together, but they're actually motivated by selfish ambition. And I'm just, I get nervous when I see it. And maybe that's because I've seen some of that in my own heart. And, you know, kind of if you've been there and, and, and worn the t-shirt, it's something that you can like, oh, I see that t-shirt being worn again. And it's just a bit scary. And so... This, this area of hunger, what are you hungering for? This is, this is deep walking with God. For God to change sometimes the desires of our heart is some of the deepest stuff. And I want to submit to you, there, there's nothing like when it seems like that desire is not going to come to pass to really test whether it's from God or not. And to see, and, and, and you know what Anne said the last two years, everything came to a standstill. And do you know how many dreams and desires and hopes and aspirations across the world just came and come? The question is, this is my, 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 my litmus test. Lord, are you reawakening? Are you reviving it? If not, God, I'm okay to let it go. I got the picture with hunger and desire of holding on to things. You know, there are some things that absolutely the Spirit of God is telling you to hold on with all your might and never let go. I want to submit to you, if you said I do to a sweetheart in the last hundred years, let's just spread it wide. Okay, we don't know. There may be some older folks over here. That kind of commitment is a white knuckle. I'm saying I do until death alone parts us. That's what most of us said. That's a, that, that's a, that's a kind of a, 
a desire that we don't let go of. But in God, I want to say in the last two years, there have been some desires, some hungers that God has said, let go. Have you got the grace to, to let go to those things? And there's, but there's another category. There's a category where the Lord is saying, hold it lightly. And you know what holding it lightly is? Holding it lightly is, Lord, if you want me to let go, I will let go. So there's some things I'm telling you, don't come to me and say, Pastor, God told me to divorce my wife. Okay? I'm like, but you said until death alone parts us. Does that mean you want me to kill you right now so you can be divorced? Okay? Okay, okay I'm being extreme. Please edit this out of the video. Okay, please, because, you know, people are going to put that clip in. The pastor said he's going to kill anybody. I'm not. Listen, folks. I, and I'm not against people who, are, who got divorced. I mean, sometimes marriage can be the closest thing to hell on earth. And absolutely, you know, biblically there are grounds for divorce. I'm not saying that. But you get some knuckleheads who, who just, uh, yeah, just need some firm talking to sometimes. My question is... Are there some things that you've hungered and desired and yearned for that the Lord has either said, let go, buried in the ground, and if I resurrected that seed that Anne was talking about, if I resurrected, it's from me. Or are there some things that you, that you sense God saying, hold lightly, because the season may end, and the Lord may say, let go. Amen? I, I am by nature a white-knuckle kind of a person. Okay, white knuckle. Sorry, let me explain this. Because I was speaking to somebody and they said, what do you mean white knuckle? My knuckles don't go white when I make a fist. I understand our skin complexions are different and your knuckles don't go white. Okay, <laughs> if I make a big fist, okay, my knuckles go white. Okay, some of you don't, have never experienced that. Okay, it means on you holding on like crazy. I want to submit to you, that's actually, that's my tendency. God has been working with me about letting go graciously and with holding on lightly. Okay? Some of you don't hold on tight enough and God's challenged you, hold on my man. Okay? Some of you just give up too easily and, and, and there's a spectrum of we just give up too easily. Some don't know when to give up and some people don't, don't know when the season has come to an end and it's time for you to move on. So I'm just saying, and all of that is God. We've got to walk with God in this. You, I don't know with the promises you've received from God, whether it's hold on, my man, don't let go, whether it's hold lightly, or whether it is let go. I don't know what desires in your heart. That's why it's walking with Jesus. It's having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last week we spoke about intimacy with God. Folks, it's in that zone that you will discern, God, do I hold on like heck? Do I hold lightly or do I let go? It's God's zone, folks. And we want to stand with you. If you feel God saying, let go, we want to be with you. If God's saying, hold it lightly, the season may be changing. Or whether God's saying, hold on. We want to stand with you to walk in the purpose of God for your life. Amen? And so, there's no rule that says in every case, well, maybe there are some. Let's not say no rule. But I want to submit to you, this is God's own. This is walking with Jesus. This is why you want to get to know the Lord. That when you face those challenges of, do I hold on? Do I let go? Or do I hold lightly? That you will know the voice of God. Amen. It is 
It's just a God zone. It is holy ground. These, those places of making decisions is holy ground. Don't make those decisions away from God. Walk with God in those places. Amen. So I, that's all I want to say about hungering and, and holding on to things. I want to actually speak about humility. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5 to 6, it says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Folks, that last verse, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. It's like, God, this is such a contradiction. Because the previous verse he's quoting here from Proverbs, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I mean, how many would agree that to define a proud person is they're lifting themselves up. They're saying, here I am, look at me, I'm amazing, I'm going to change the world all by myself. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the pride thing. But the Bible says... Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Have, how many of you think of, well, humility is that God's actually going to raise you up to a place of significance at some point, somewhere, with some people, somewhere in history. Most people think humility is just crying your heart out on your knees for the rest of your life. And I'm saying humility sometimes does look like crying your heart out on your knees. Absolutely. But this Bible says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Folks, do you see the contrast here? There are times where we like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go there, change the world, you know, whatever. I am, I, I. And, and sometimes it's exactly the opposite. You humble yourself before God. You hold something lightly. Say, God, I'm holding this calling, this promise. I'm holding it lightly. And God says, I see that heart. And He opens doors and boom, suddenly you're in spaces you never imagined you'd be. Speaking to people you never thought you'd speak to. Making a kingdom difference. Amen. It's the contrast of kingdom life. Amen. When you try and do it in your own strength and I'm going to change the world all by myself. Look what the Bible says, God opposes the proud. And, and this, the writer, Peter, sees actually unpacking what does it mean, gives grace to the humble. Under God's mighty hand, He will lift you up in due time. What is the due time? We're going to look at this person in the Bible who had a different spirit and, and God's timing with him. But I want you to look at this. And, and you know the amazing thing with humility is, we, I want to unpack this is that in the scripture it highlights God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I was going to say, you don't want God opposing you. Amen. I mean, you mincemeat if God's opposing you. But this is the deal. We so often think that it's, there's pride on the one side, humility on the other side. And as Christians, we absolutely choose the road of humility. But there's also something called false humility. This is what Jenny, Jenny was showing me with this morning. Some of us also preaching this morning, as usual. Okay? Because <laughs> we chat about these things. Folks, if you can think of a, humility as being a road, on the one side, there's a ditch on the side of the road. It's called pride. But there's a ditch on this side of the road. It's called false humility. And I want to say biblical humility is actually walking on this highway of holiness. 
I've often referred to. Not falling in the ditch of false humility and not feeling, falling in the ditch of pride. And let's unpack it. Let's look at this. So I want to actually start with a quote. This is by Francis Frangipani, uh, a great Bible teacher. He's written a number of books. I've often, uh, sometimes quoted some of his, his writings. He said this. Looking at humility, the Holy Spirit reveals our sinfulness not to condemn us, but to establish humility and deepen the knowledge of our personal need for grace. I want to say false humility says not to condemn us. Condemnation, guilt, shame is in the zone of false humility. It looks like humility, but it's actually destructive to your soul. Biblical humility, I want to submit to you, deepens your knowledge of our personal need for grace. Grace, God's unmerited favor. Humility draws on God. I want to say false humility causes you to run away from God and sow fig leaves up to try and cover up your own uh, nakedness. Humility is coming to God as you are with your failings and, and foibles and shame and guilt and condemnation saying, God, here am I, the, here are I. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. God, I'm actually, remember I said about Adam being naked and unashamed. Naked, Adam was actually naked and ashamed and tried to cover, hide his own faults and failings. Folks, that's false humility. Many people think they're being humble because they're groveling in shame and condemnation and guilt. God does not want you in that. The highway of holiness the highway of true humility is walking in total dependence and transparency on God. Absolutely aware of your failings and your shortcomings and your sinfulness, but totally dependent on His goodness and His promises and His Holy Spirit enabling power. Can you see the difference? Francis went on to say, It's at this crossroads that both holy men and hypocrites are bred. Okay? Those who become holy see their need and fall prostrate before God for deliverance. Those who become hypocrites are they who in seeing their sin excuse it and thus remain intact. Though all men must eventually stand at this junction, few are they who embrace the voice of truth. Few are they indeed who will walk humbly towards true holiness. Let's move on. I've got a definition. Humility. Biblical humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. <laughs> including your own, and that's the loudest opinion in most people's lives. Unless maybe you like, um, you know, in your tweens. <laughs> it requires embracing who you are in Christ over who you are in the flesh. To be biblically humble is to be so free of concern for your own ego that you can unreservedly elevate those around you. That's often a litmus test if you're walking in true humility. Are you able to encourage others around you, lift others up? Or do you get filled with pangs of insecurity if anybody else is doing better than you? That's the test for true humility. It's believing what God says about you. Folks, it's not groveling in the ditch of 
oh, woe is me, I am a total failure and wipe out. It's recognizing I have weaknesses, I have the flesh, I have phenomenal capacity to smash up, absolutely. But I've tapped into amazing grace. I have an amazing loving father who loved me despite that. He sees that and he still says, come out of the ditch, come on to the highway of holiness. I will cleanse you. I have made a way. My blood cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Walk with me. It's so beautiful. Matthew 5, 5 to 6. I was thinking of a scripture that highlighted hunger and humility. And here we're looking at the Beatitudes. Beatitudes where Jesus does his Sermon on the Mount. There are thousands of people. And he pulls out these nine truths known as the Beatitudes. And I want to highlight two of them because they highlight what we're talking about here. Hunger and humility. Blessed are the meek or the humble. For they shall inherit the earth. Did you you read? I mean, inherit the earth. That's that's quite a lot of inheritance. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. You know, in the Beatitudes, each one of them speaks about blessing, which just, if you unpack what that is, is huge. But he says, the blessing and, and he adds something else, blessed are the meek or the humble, they shall inherit the earth. And blessed, which is enough, I'm, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. Now, I've spoken about hunger. I don't want to unpack that. I really want to look at this, this thing about Walking in humility causes you to inherit inherit out of the ballpark. This is huge inheritance. Remember, Peter said he will raise you up in due time. What does that look like? What does this inheritance look like? So I I was reading in Psalm um, Psalm 37 this week or last week. I can't remember when. And so it connected with me. I read. Because Jesus in the Beatitudes was quoting truths from the Old Testament. And where he was quoting the scripture about being humble is actually from Psalm 37. And I've just put it on the next slide. And it's on the bottom there. Dun, dun, dun. You see the blue arrows? That's where we are. Now I'm putting that verse there because this is it. This is what Jesus is quoting in the Beatitudes. He says, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. There he says abundant prosperity. It's actually the word shalom, which means a complete sense of well-being in every facet of your being. Okay, that's why this translation says, uh, "Will uh, speaks about abundant prosperity." Folks, this is what humility. This is what biblical humility unlocks. I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to live in this land. But let's rewind, and I think it's so important. Psalm 37. I wish that I could broadcast Psalm 37 on the national news in South Africa, especially in the last couple of years. You know why that is? I trust you've realized that just on the national scale, uh, the Zondo Commission has been releasing his report monthly. It's now the third report was meant to come end of this month. It's been delayed another two months, or application for delay. But it's basically revealed state capture in South Africa on the most incredible scale that many people couldn't believe. I shared with you two weeks ago the story of that guy, Daniel. Now, Daniel, he's, he was an employee at Transnet who 
who had forged his qualifications right from, right from undergrad, right through to PhD, and was, was a cog in the wheel of, of state capture phenomenally. You know, the report, I didn't say this when I told you the story about Daniel, was when he was found guilty in court, the reporter said that he was alone. There wasn't one single supporter. There was no crowd toy-toying for him outside. There wasn't a single Gupta around, uh, you know, saying, we'll free you, you know, whatever the, the slogans were that they were making back then about, you know, monopoly capital and everything else. He was all alone, folks. He's going to be sentenced shortly in two weeks' time. He was found guilty. He's going to be sentenced for his misdemeanors. He'll be all alone. And he'll be in jail all alone. All his supporters and fan club, who he was giving millions to, are... They're gone. Where are they now? And I believe that's so sobering. Now, why am I saying this about Daniel? I'm going to be reading to you Psalm 37. This verse here, we're reading verse 11 that Jesus quoted in the Beatitudes about humility, is in the context of Psalm 37. And Psalm 37 is basically telling us, do not worry about wicked people. The end is not going to be pretty. And so I'm telling the story of Daniel sitting in, in the court all by himself, nobody to, to cheer for him or support him or anything. And I'm thinking, folks, Psalm 37 really does work. There's going to be, I believe, massive, some massive high-profile, in court coming up I want you to remember Psalm 37 because I know I've got my knickers in a knot when I heard about some of the state capture shenanigans that were going on I got slightly hot under the collar and Abby don't say amen right now okay Abby, why I say Abby Abby is, is, was the one person okay let, let me little, little, little family secret my wife gets super hot under the collar about these kind of things. So I've got to, I've got to just, just, just share a little bit with her. But Abby engages on an intellectual level with me about these things. And we discuss and we pull it apart and everything. So, so, so I've quite engaged, I've quite enjoyed talking to Abby about these things. But Psalm 37 says, Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Now, Psalm 37 says this over and over again. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Okay, Lord, do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. Okay, Lord, I hear you. For evildoers, this is, this is scary, folks. For evildoers will be destroyed. <coughs> okay, that's why I say I think I think we I want to put this on national headlines somewhere. For evildoers will be destroyed. This is true. Sometimes and often we do see this. Sometimes the wheels of justice does not bring justice the side of eternity, eternity, folks. But I want to tell you, ultimately, this is true evildoers will be destroyed but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land 
There's this in a land inheritance thing again. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. I read that verse and I thought of this Daniel chap. He was the head of Transnet Engineering Services. Now he's sitting in jail. He's not heading up Transnet Engineering Services anymore. He's, he's gone. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. Folks, I have fed on Psalm 37 often over many years. When you see injustice, remember the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. Justice will be done. And so we do not need to be agitated when evildoers prosper. I want to now go on. And when I was reading this about inheriting the land and taking possession of the land, I was doing some cross-referencing and I, and I came across the, the scripture where it mentions this dude who has a different spirit. And how many of you remembered that the man that the Bible describes as a different spirit, his name is Caleb in the Bible. Okay, here we go. A couple of you. Okay, that's awesome. It says in Numbers 14 verse 24, it says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. It's Moses speaking. Folks, I want to submit you walking with a godly hunger, godly desires in you and walking in humility is walking in it. Because in the world today, the, you know, conventional wisdom, if you want something, go for it. Make it happen. You're super duper amazing. You can do anything you want. Just go for it and you'll get it. Kind of, you know, that conventional, hyper, you know, motivational talk kind of stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, right. Okay. But you better make sure that what's in your heart is godly. And it's not selfish ambition. Otherwise, you're going to hurt people. Too many people I know have been hurt through people who've been motivated by selfish ambition and they don't even realize it. it. Says my servant Caleb. Folks, you know what a privilege it is to be called the servant of God. My servant Caleb has a different spirit. I'm trusting that we would walk with a different spirit. A different spirit, folks, is not cowering in 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 guilt and condemnation and shame etc it's not walking in arrogant pride that in and of myself i can do anything and make anything happen there's a highway of holiness where you're walking in humility you're totally aware of your weak and weaknesses you're totally aware of your shortcomings you're totally aware that that ditch right there of of guilt and condemnation and shame is so close you're one step away from just just spending too much time there but you also could easily be in this other dish of pride and arrogance and you're walking in total dependence on God in transparency totally aware of your shortcomings dependent on him but recognizing in Christ you have phenomenal ability phenomenal capabilities and you are walking in that truth now what I want to do about We've zoomed into one verse. I'm going to zoom out once and then we're going to zoom out again. Okay? So, this verse 24 is found in the context of Numbers 14. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 22. So, there's the verse at the bottom we've just read with the blue arrow. I'm pointing at it. But what is happening over here? 
Why did Moses say this to Caleb in Numbers 14? What's preempted this? It says, Moses speaking, Not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt. Sorry, this is the Lord speaking. He did the signs. And in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt, or some translations say provoked or despised me, will ever see it. But Caleb, okay, the servant, has a different spirit. Forests me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land. Folks, this is such an important thing in the history of Israel. Now, it was Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, Moses is specifically talking to Caleb in these verses. But there's a whole generation, his whole other generation. Look at what they experienced. It says they experienced God's glory and miraculous signs, etc. Folks, I wish, I wish that I could just do a miracle over here, here in front, maybe. You know, let's get somebody who's like in a wheelchair. And we just, in the name of Jesus, command them to get out of the wheelchair. And I wish that that would change everybody over here. And you would forever be wholeheartedly devoted to serving God. It's important that we know God as miracles, see miracles, etc. But unfortunately, I want to say, even if you saw miracles with your own eyes, it won't necessarily change your heart. Because it's on the outside. You see, something needs to happen on the inside of you. I know too many people will see miracles and spend their life with intellectual gymnastic exercises trying to explain why that was not supernatural. It doesn't change their lives. There's a whole generation that died in the wilderness because the miraculous on its own didn't change their lives. I believe in the miraculous. I love it. I love seeing miracles. I just know by itself it's not going to change people's lives. It's part of the equation, but it's not the whole equation. I want to zoom out a little bit more. What happened to these? How come? It says they treated God with contempt, provoking Him and despising Him. Wow, what is going on in these people's hearts? Talk about hard heart, rocky heart. I mean, just, it's, it's horrible. We're going to zoom out a little bit more. We're actually going to verse 13, chapter 13. Look at what happened here. What happened here was Moses had sent under the direction of the Lord 10 spies into the land. 12 spies, one from each, uh, one from each uh, tribe, 12 tribes. 12, they came back. They came back and this is the report they were giving. And so what we are reading, what Moses was saying to Caleb and to the rest of these boys, was after their report, after they came back. And it says, they reported to them and showed them the fruit of the land. If you go to previous verses when they went in the land, they described the fruit, folks. They had bunches of grapes that they were so big they had to carry them on sticks between two men, one man in front and one man in back. How many of you reckon that, that's quite a big a bunch of grapes? I don't know how many of you have been to pick and pay and you know, you kind of go with somebody else with a stick, you know, because you're going to buy a bunch of grapes that you've got to carry on a stick. How many of you have done that? Please send me the pictures, okay? I had to find a little clip art thing of that because phenomenal, phenomenal fruitful land, okay? Verse 27, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And they actually brought back some of that fruit. Okay, the two oaks who were carrying the grapes, put the grapes there, said, here it is. Okay, so these are, there were 10 guys. These are the 10 guys, and then there was Josh and Caleb, the two. Let's go on. 
but the people who live there but the people <laughs> I've, I've heard people preach about you know don't let a but get in your way okay and uh, I, I don't know how you want to spell that word but but the people who live there are powerful so they're seeing the fruit but they're also seeing the powerful people these are the people that would have to uh, um, overcome in battle and the cities are fortified oh goodness another big battle we got to overcome and are very large oh my goodness that's that's another reason we can't go we even saw the descendants of Anak there now in in Hebrew Anak literally means giants that's why some translations literally use the word giants you're gonna see this word Anak the Amalekites live in the Negev oh another reason not to go there and the Hittites oh they they nasty nasty bunch of warriors and the Jebusites oh man have you seen how big their swords are and then the Amorites oh you know how many Amorites there were and they live in the hill country and the Canaanites ooh, and those are vicious enemies live near the sea and along the Jordan then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it what is going on he has a different spirit they all go into the land they see this fruit they see it they describe it as a land of milk and honey abundance rich farmlands etc that's what they saw but they also saw this folks I want to point out Caleb and Joshua it's not that they did not see the Amalekites Hittites Jebusites Amorites Canaanites I don't know what your giants are folks a man or woman who walks with a different spirit it's not that you don't see your shortcomings the challenge that you face to your business the cash flow crisis that you are facing personally or in your business you, you're not ignorant of your cash flow crisis it's just that that doesn't cause you to give up and freak out and and say well we're not going to whatever you know pursue this venture that we're going after I see it but God that's what he said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it let's go to the next slide it says but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people they are stronger than we are and they spread among the Israelites a bad report folks you can spread in your own life a bad report you know what's scary is that you can spread a bad report about a brother or sister you can so easily destroy somebody's reputation did you hear about whoever you know Sandile did you spread a bad report about the land they had explored they said the land we explored devours those living in it all the people we saw they are of great size okay the Giants verse 33 we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them I want to say firstly do you think they actually went you know with a mic to the Amalekites and Hittites and Canaanites and Jebusites went to a mic and interviewed them and said listen please can you tell us how do you see us no ways the key thing is this we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes folks there's a ditch on this side that is called the ditch of did the ditch of grasshopperness okay the grasshopper ditch that's not humility I'm talking about true godly humility God humility is there are does frack by a feyander in land amen Stella I don't know where that came from I saw you I felt the inspiration the anointing I don't know does frack by a feyander in land 
hết I was speaking a heavenly language there are lots of enemies in the land folks humility is I know we have challenges I know we have cash flow challenges I know we have staff challenges I know we have in our nation political challenges I know we have poverty challenges we have racism challenges in our nation absolutely but I'm not leaving this land God this is our promised land I see the abundance of the land I see the wonderful nice people in the land I see what we have overcome I see people who are stepping out of their comfort zone regarding their cultural background making an effort with other people I don't see that in other nations I see nationalism rising up in other nations where people are saying I don't want others I'm not saying we don't have xenophobia yet but I see a lot of people who are fighting against the giant of xenophobia and poverty and racism and financial lack etc and saying I see it but I put my faith in God God has brought me here for a reason there are amazing people here God has delivered us from sure bloodshed in 94 he will deliver us again I'm staying in the land I'm going to do what God's called me to do in this land amen that is true humility Let's go on to the next slide. In Numbers 14 that night. So they heard Caleb saying these amazing things. We can do it guys. Yes, they're big oaks and then but we can conquer them. But look what the people do that night. All the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Do you think this is godly humility or this false humility? All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said of said to them if only we had died in Egypt or in the desert I want to say this ditch of grasshopperness is I want to die Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fail fall by the sword <laughs> Our wives and children will be taken as plunder Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt question mark folks this ditch over here has lots of question marks And they said to each other we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Folks, that's rebellion there. They're rejecting God's leaders. And this did not get pretty. Look what happened. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down. Now these people were falling face down. I want to say they were in the ditch of that was not godly humility. They were motivated by fear and doubt. That ditch has a lot of fear and doubt question marks in. These guys are falling face down as well. Humility does sometimes make us fall face down, but it's before God in humility and trust in God. In front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes. This is also humility, folks. It's an act of humility like I'm broken by this. I'm I'm upset by this, but not in a way that's destructive. And said The land is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Because when they were wanting to say we want to choose other leaders, that that's an act of rebellion. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Folks, look at the contrast. We will swallow them up. 
Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. That was the deal breaker. And we're speaking about the presence of God. Do you know what a change it makes in our lives when we are aware of God is with us? And this is, this is what they were doing. True humility is, God, you are with me. Even though I'm facing so many ites in my land, God, we will do it. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Here, I recognize that we're motivated by fear. This ditch is often a ditch of fear. Let's go on. Now, the men of Judah, I want to go on. This is now in Joshua. Folks, this is 45 years later. It's my last slide. This is 45 years later. So we saw them appealing to them, guys. And God, I didn't put all the scriptures up there. And basically what the Lord does, he says, these people will not enter the land. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine how Josh and Caleb felt? They had to wait for all their generation to die before they could enter. Now, yeah, Joshua is handing out the land. They're now in the land. They've crossed the Jordan, etc. Now, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses about you and me? He's referring back to those scriptures we've read. But this is 45 years later. I was 40 years old when Moses sent me to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. According to my convictions. A conviction is something you're convinced about. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Because fear is scary. Make your heart melt. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So this is the last slide. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Is anybody over here that's older than 85? Zanel. She's just saying that because she says, I have a different spirit like Caleb. <laughs> Verse 11. I, I'm encouraged by this, folks. I am still as strong. This is an 85-year-old talking, folks who has had to walk around the desert for 40 years waiting for people who wouldn't believe, who refused to believe, to believe, to die so that he could enter the promised land. I can think of the thousands of thoughts of resentment and negativity that he was tempted about thinking. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. An 85-year-old speaking. Now give me this hill country 
that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites, remember these are the giants, were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Folks, he's quoting the negative words that those guys said, the other ten spies, why we couldn't take the land. He's saying, because they like this, I want to go there. So they've, they've, they've occupied part of the land, but this hill country they haven't taken yet. And at 85, he says, I still want to show them that God can do this. And if you go read the rest of the story, he took his clan and he went and he conquered three different tribes of Anakim in that area and he took the land. At 85, folks. How many of you, if you one day less than 85, have a valid excuse right now sitting here? Okay? Please, can you meet me afterwards and give me your list of excuses why you can't take your land? But the Lord helped me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave Hebron, gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly, folks. Wholeheartedly, a different spirit. Folks, I am totally aware of the giants in our land. Have I been tempted to Fatmechutten Trek Ferreira to look for greener pastures? Yes. But I'm like, but this is my promised land. I still see the milk and honey. I still see the amazing people. I see the promises of God. I see the fruitfulness of the land. I see big bunches of grapes in this land. Amen. Do I see the giants of poverty and racism and factional battles within the ruling party that nearly destroyed our province? I see it. I don't like it. But I'm saying I'm not running away. I still believe God wants to do and fulfill His promises in KZN in 2022. He wasn't surprised by it. He's looking for some Caleb's. He's looking for some people with a different spirit. Amen. I want to pray for you, folks. To fall into this ditch of false humility is so easy. To fall into the ditch of pride and arrogance, I can do it in my own strength, is so easy. To walk on the highway of holiness with a different spirit that says, I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly. I see the giants, but I see the fruitful land. I see your promises. I see it all. I still choose to trust you. I'm still going to press in for 45 years. How long have you been waiting for your promises? Some of you say, well, it's been longer than 45 years. Great. God didn't put a specific time on when he was going to fulfill the promises. But I would rather live a life trusting God to fulfill his promises than give up on his, uh, his promises and lie in the ditch of self-pity, false humility, depression, fear, and anxiety. I would rather just say, God, I see it, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk in faith rather than give up in the ditch of false humility or think I can do it in my own strength. I'm saying... Can I pray for people who are saying, God, we want to walk like Caleb with a different spirit, following you wholeheartedly with biblical humility. If that's you, won't you stand? I want to pray for you. Lord God, this story is too real. Lord, I was reading it and saying, this is too close to home, Lord. This story actually hurts because just so true, Lord. 
But Father, that is your word cutting as a two-edged sword, cutting to the joints and the marrow, cutting us deep in our hearts, Lord. We've all wanted to give up and walk away and saying, God, I want another life. I want, a, I want another chance. I want a different opportunities, Lord. I wish I didn't see this opportunity. But God, we trust you for a different spirit. God, I pray that we would have hearts like Joshua and Caleb for, Lord, that yes, we see the Amalekites and Canaanites and Jebusites and all the ites. We see them, Lord. But God, we see the good land. We see your promises. We look to you. We say, but God, you are with us. You are with us. You will not leave us nor forsake us, God. So we choose. We choose in humility to trust you, to walk with you. Lord, we do sometimes rend our robes, rend our hearts, cry because it's just hard and it's not working out and it's not what we thought it was. But God, we choose not to go into the ditch of false humility and fear and 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 and. and and Lord, all the negativity that is, we choose not to go into the ditch of arrogance and pride and thinking we can do it in ourselves and our own strength. God, we don't want the glory for ourselves. We want you to get the glory. So we choose to walk the highway of holiness, walk on the highway of biblical humility, trusting you, seeing the weaknesses, seeing our weaknesses. Lord, it makes us humble, makes us trust you more. God, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. We hold on to the things you want us to hold on. God, that doesn't mean we let, don't let go of things you're wanting us to let go of. And some things we hold lightly, Lord. Lead us as we walk this path with you. Lead us, I pray. May we walk with a different spirit, Lord. May we be as Caleb at 85, still keen to take on the giants and take on the big fortified cities, just as keen as he was at 45. Give us a different spirit, Lord. May people see what's different about you. We're not arrogant and we're not walking in, 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 in self-pity either. God, we're walking in biblical humility, Father. Walking in a different spirit. I pray that for every single one of us. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www that his people pmb.co.za and for more of our messages visit our youtube and soundcloud channels as well as other podcast platforms if you would like to contact us please email us at his people pmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877 we hope to see you soon god bless you